This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Lobe Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast with me, Rich Pullen. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! Oh, it's a good goal! Far post for Shearer, goal! I will win this league anyway. Richard, he's hit it. It's Crabbler! be honest i've not been to swindon on a non-match day in years yeah it's a very surreal experience i just saw michael doughty on a scooter well that's so. why he lives in london only so traffic it's gonna be a while for him to get back isn't it yeah i'm waiting for the time he probably crashes into someone and he's out for four weeks of which he will be fine is there insurance for that no in michael yeah <laughs> by the end of this conversation how many missed calls will you yeah, so that's why I just put it on silent. I will have a lot because obviously we're trying to make things happen at the moment and things went really well for us at the start. Basically because we was at, we was planning quickly. We just missed out on a couple that we had planned to get in, which was unfortunate. We just we just keep, you know Yeah plowing away. Yeah, I mean when last season ended We started here by the way. We've yeah. started. Alright, oh, okay. We've started. So when last season came to an end, you would have had a plan of the pre-season, of how you would have wanted it to go. How do you think that's gone? Defensively good. Mm-hmm. Um, like I say, it's just the strikers really. Um, and a couple of midfield players that we've, we've missed out on. We've missed out on a winger who's quick and we've missed out on two two strikers. One that I've nailed on for um, and I've nailed on for another one. I say nailed on. Bigger clubs just change their mind when, when higher league opposition come in for them. Mm-hmm. They, just, they tend to go there. And obviously the ones that are on free transfers go where, where, where they offers the most money. Mm-hmm. Ones that we've missed out on recently, they're the 95% and 100% as uh, we mentioned. The, the 95% one is, is probably not 95% no more, just yeah. because the goalpost has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the I would say it's 50-50, so I'm not happy about it. But sometimes in football it's just the way it is, so... Yeah, told one thing and, and you're waiting and you're waiting and the longer that waiting goes on you start to have doubts and obviously that's that's coming to fruition now that I'm starting to get a little bit worried about it. How do you combat 
those preseason bumps in the road, mm-hmm. be it transfer targets, injuries, or of course, you've had a, a change to your coaching staff as well. How easy, easy is it to adapt in those situations? Yeah, you have to. Yeah. We're not we're not out of Manchester City where you've got Manchester City choose their targets eighteen months, two years in advance. They go, we want him, and nobody else can compete with them, so they always get the man. We're totally different. We have to have contingency plans that wait. What if we don't get him? What if that happens? Obviously, with, with Peter Shirley going, that's just Peter Shirley's the health of his family is more important than anything. So I totally understood that. And, and obviously, Tommy Wright's got great experience working with young managers and, and a great experience at winning promotions. So I'm really happy to have Tommy in. But yeah, again, you want to work through certain things in pre season, but then you lose players for injury. Danny Rose hasn't been fit for the. That was a blow. Um, and then you want to work on certain things, but it's probably not going to be until the middle of August, end of August, that we've got our squad complete. As I would imagine, most teams. Are. The problem is, people think that this transfer window helps lower league clubs. It doesn't. It totally, totally hinders them the opposite way. Because if we're after, let's say, a Championship striker or a top B one striker, they stay for the longest possible moment. They start the season in August. If they're not playing, they're quite happy because. They know that if it's an injury, they're straight in the team. Whereas if the deadline is the 3rd of August, and for the previous two weeks, these strikers, these players have not been getting the team, they're quite scared, they're quite worried they're not going to play, and they want to get out of them all as soon as possible, or they want to leave the club permanently as soon as possible. But that window of an extra three or four weeks just gives them that little breathing space to go, I'll see if I'm getting a team that I'm my parent club, or my, the club that they're at. And if that doesn't work out, then I've got two to three weeks of... Know, see where if I want to go on loan, if I want to stay, if I want to leave permanently, I want to stay. It just totally works against us. When you were a player, how did it work from your side of things? Because you had quite, a, especially in the, the prime of your career, you were quite a stable footballer. You stayed at clubs. You were at Blackpool for a long time. You were at Leicester for a long time, and Doncaster too. You weren't. You were lucky that you weren't one of those sort of football league players who two year contract, two year contract, right. two year contract. Has it been? Has it been a learning curve for you from the other side of things now um, to see how it works? Not really, because I know it, that the problem with what these clubs have, who don't have success, have a period of, you know, on that downward spiral, is because they change too often, too much. So this club's been at a revolving door for every single pre-season. 15 out, 15 in. Change of manager, 15 out, 15 in. And apart from Chelsea... I've never known a football club. I've never known it worked for any football club. So you look at the promoted teams last season from, from let's work off this league because this is the league we're in. Danny Cowley's been given a long period of time at Lincoln to, to build a club up. Financially, he's very stable. Um, and he works with a group of players that he trusts now and that have brought him success at a lower level and have continued that success as they, you know, they go up the leagues. And he's added one or two, maybe three per season, just by topping the squad up. MK Don's come down, get relegated. Um, don't change the whole squad. They keep the best players. They have one or two, they're straight back up. Now they can build on that momentum. Mickey Mann at Tranmere. He's been at Tranmere now, what, two, three years. It's a lot of players from the, the conference. It's not the step up in level that mm. is the big the big difference. It's the continuity of these players have. The manager's comfortable with the players. He can plan because he knows that he's going to be in a job. It's when you get managers that go in certain clubs and half panic at times because you realise that you need instant success and very rarely does that happen. Um, so what we need to do is build a squad now that we look at and go, this squad can take us forward, he can do that job for two or three years. That's why I've tried to get as many players as possible in two-year deals, especially the ones that we think we can develop and make better. So that's the problem you get a lot of lower league clubs. There's just too many ins and outs. Yeah, and do you think there's a flip side to that though? Because... We're currently in a, in a situation where we're struggling to bring people in because of the deals that were given to players under previous manager, for example. So, hundred percent, hundred percent. The problem that I have now is probably twenty five percent of my budget, probably a little bit more, is on players that that won't won't start week in week out. For me, the majority of your your budget has to go in the starting eleven. And we've got, and it's not the players' fault, they have a contract, they've got, they've got to try and look after themselves, and I get that. 
But I was always a player that if I wasn't, if I was told by a club that I wasn't wanted, I wanted to be out that door straight away because all I wanted to do was play. So I find it frustrating that players don't want to play, but I am, I'm also respectful that they do have you know, bills to pay and families to feed. So if, if we give them contracts, however long ago it may be, we still have to run them contracts. But it is frustrating because certain deals have fallen through because of that. And as long as those players are in the setup. I mean, the term that a lot of fans use is bomb squad. Yeah. The players that are sort of, you'll put over there, you train with the youths, you train on your own until you find new clubs. Do you operate in that way? Or are they part of the squad? Fight for a place if you want, but you will leave. No, you've got to be careful because if you show them too many comforts, yeah. they're happy just to tick over the training with the lads every single day. They're keeping fit. Um, and that hunger, that desire to go out elsewhere and play disappear. It doesn't disappear, but it's not as, it's not as appealing because... They're at a good club, you know, we, we train well um, and that appeal to go and play elsewhere isn't there so you have to get the balance right where you're not, you're still, we're still human beings, you have to be, you know, a good manager to a, a player and the player has to respect for the management and his staff and we've got that but there also has to be certain things where we have to try and hurry a certain few things on as quickly as we can and, and I'm in the process of trying to do that. Yeah. Well, the signings from this summer, there's something that's really reassured me about the transfer dealings that you've done so far, is that when you look at their history, when you look at the type of player they are, they are Richie Wellens signings. A couple of summers we've had now where I wonder who is signing the players or how much input, at least, the manager has because of the way the infrastructure of a football club, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's different depending on, on the tenure and things like that. This has been, and we've talked about transfers quite a bit now, but this has been your first summer as a manager doing pre-season. I'm pretty sure that would be right, yeah, isn't it? Right. So, so this sort of industry is enough to put people off for life, but just the absolute chaos of, of transfers. Are you, still, is it, are you still waking up and going, I'm a manager of a football league club, which is all you want to do, but this part, <coughs> I mean, from a fan, is exciting looking up uh, transfers and things like that on a daily basis. Brilliant. You have to spend all day on the phone getting these highs and lows and middles and frustrations. It's a distraction, probably. Well, I'm, I'm lucky because I've got Paul Jewell to take a lot of the heat off me. Yeah. Um, there's some days I can take so many calls that by the time I'm answering the, the later calls, I've forgotten what the, I've players here, players there. I'm just, sometimes your head can be spinning. Yeah. So... Um, we we tried to work it at like as many of them as possible players that if you look at the the players that are brought in Zeki Friars twenty five twenty six is it Rob Hunt twenty four um, then players where they're not quite nineteen twenty and still learning the game the likes of of, of Friars and, and Hunt they've been through that process of playing games week in week out they've made the mistakes. They've got better from that. Zeki's an, a little bit of a different exception because he's played for huge clubs, but there's a resale value in these players that I think I'm bringing in. Tyler Reid, again, I think if we get him up and running, um, then I, can, I think he can be a big asset to the club. Uh, Matthew Baldry, I need some experience in there. Good talker. Um, Jerry Yates, again, re- really good age. Got a number of games, not only in League 2 for, for Carlisle, but for, for Rotherham. Playing up front on his own in the championship weekend, which is a tough is a tough ask for anyone. Never mind a young kid. Um, doesn't see the ball much. Does a lot of work rate, right? but his attitude never changes. He still wants to work for the team, and I'm hoping that if he comes here and plays in this league for us, we'll create a lot more chances. And his work, his endeavour will will give him a lot more, you know, rewards and when he's playing up for Rotherham, which in all due respect in the championship is a, is a tough team to play for up front anyway. I still cannot believe we've got Zeki Fryers. Mm. I mean, it, it, that, that's, a, that's an unbelievable signing, considering where we finished last season and where we are, that all going well. Yeah. That's, that's just an insane signing. You have to give Zeki a credit. I'd yeah. like to take a bit of credit myself by selling a club to him and, and obviously getting someone like that over the line. I've tried that with, with two or three of us, but <coughs> at the end of the day, you have to give Zeki the credit because he just wants to play. He knows what player he can be if he plays week in week out and we're going to give him a platform to, to go there you go Zeki it's a nice stadium it's a great pitch to play on go and play and if in 30-40 games we come, someone comes in with, a, with an offer to take a higher level job done by us job 
done by Zeki. Everything was brilliant. Let's move on. Hopefully he can bring us success this year. And I've been unfortunate with a couple more just at the last minute League One clubs have come in and just nicked them off my hands when I thought, when I, thought I had them. Um, but when you're in League Two, that's, that's going to happen. I've got to I've got to mention it because people who listen to this will be screaming or at least saying don't be kind or don't don't say all the sort of nice stuff. So many of the reviews about the new players and some of the unsigned trialists as well go along the lines. If you listen to or you read comments from fans of their former clubs or journalists who cover those clubs, they say he's a great player, but he gets injured a lot. And I said this is the case for anyone. Anyone could come in and be a great player and get injured. You know, they could have an immaculate uh, record. There's a lot of them, though, in this case. Is, is that a concern to you, or can you just go with what <coughs> the medical team say? I th- no, I think it's the background. Why was he injured? Yeah. So, for example, Matthew Bowdry has played a lot of games in his career. He plays for MK Dons. Sorry, he played a reserve game for MK Dons on a Thursday. Um done really well in the game. The manager asked him to train Friday, but it'll be on the light. And it, on the Friday, he wasn't. So Zek, uh, it says, Matty, I'm going to throw you in. We're playing Saturday, and it was a hard session. And he, and he does his, I think it was his bad hamstring or something, he's out for three months. So it's about managing the players, trying to keep them on the pitch, um, getting individual programmes in terms of keep, if they've got a weakness in certain areas, make sure they work on it. But um, if Matty Bowdy had played 45 games last year and 45 games the year before would we get him? No, we wouldn't. So we have to take certain gambles if you like on certain players but then you've also got to think how much we're paying. If it's a certain amount that was too much the risk reward isn't worth it but I'd like to think the value for money is there where it's the risk and reward is, is very much in our favour. You mentioned during the trip or just before the trip to La Manga, that a few of the players, a few of the new players, were a bit shy. Um, how has or how is the integration of the squad going? No, fine. We've got some really good characters. Bowdy is a big, a big part of that. Jerry H is a big part of that. Probably the, the most, um, the easiest character in the group to get on with. He's loud. You, you want he integrates people. So, he's been really good. Um, and then obviously the lads who were here last year, you know, have, have, have welcomed the new lads fine. We've got Rob Hunt, Tyler Reed, who are quiet lads, but keep themselves to themselves, but work hard in training. And um, and when there's a little bit of banter flying about, they'll join in when, when they feel believe he's right. They're not, ext- they're not extrovert. So uh, I think you need a balance in the group again. If you've got all alpha males in your group, then there's going to be uproar at times. So you need, you need to get a balance. I must admit, I did enjoy watching some of those team building exercises in the manga. The one with the, some sort of script and chair, what the hell was going on? That has nothing to do with me. That is uh, Noel Hunt. I think he's done these games with somewhere else, so he thought it a good idea. So let him take the lead. I sit in the background and let, listen, it's all fun and games. Um, yeah, but that was Noel. Now we've got new components to the squad. Will Town's style on the pitch differ to what we saw nearer to the end of last season? Again, that will depend on what we bring in from now to. So every single pre-season game, I've played two strikers. Um, have we scored the amount of goals that I would have liked? No. However, you look at the Man United game the other day, we're great for 30 minutes in the first half, should be four up, but then we have no control over the game at all. So... Um, we all want to score goals, but the only way that you're going to score goals is having control of the ball. If you haven't got the ball, you're chasing it around. One, you ain't going to get it to score. And two, when you've been chasing for that long, when you do get it back, you've got tired legs, tired minds. So, um, again, it will do... It will, the next four... I, I think we need four or five players. Um, I think if we get them four or five players right, I think we can have a really good season. Um, but that will depend on, on who comes in. And that'll be including the two loans, I think, that we still have. Yeah, we have the two loans. I'm, I'm, I'll let this out. The 95% one that is now 50-50, I'm hoping that comes off because in this league, it will, it will be very dangerous. Um, I think we need another another midfield player. I think I want to try and get some 
some pace out wide, some quality out wide. Um, since I've been here, they don't make wingers like they used to anyway. Um, but since I've been here, I don't think we've had a, a winger up to the required standards. So I would like a wide man with, with pace and somebody can get. You know, we've had Kyle Bennett, great, who comes in pockets and makes play and can, has got goals in his locker and he can make chances. But I think last year we lacked that little dynamic player that can get on round the back of people and put defences on the back foot because they're scared of the spacing behind I'm tone deaf when it comes to tactical awareness, I've got to be honest with you. So I'm, and I'm always reading about fans complain about plan B. I don't even know what plan B is, to be honest. I don't know what people expect yeah. when they say, what's a plan B? I think they just want to see something obviously change when when something is going wrong, yeah. for example. Because you have a very, especially near the end of the season, you had a very, very clear tactic for us to just get at them from the off. And so that often created a goal early on. And then it seemed that they would get tired and we would treat and it would become nervy as the game um, goes in from there. Um, a lot of fans get really fixated on this plan B notion. Is it, is it, is, is it like having a playbook in NFL, you know, where you can just be, during a game, you can sit there and just go, okay, I need to operate this. So I'll ask you a question. Mm -hmm. if, you're an English, if you're an English supporter, if you're an English fan, mm -hmm. what's plan B? Usually, stick a big man in the box, yeah. knock it into him, hope for knockdowns, hope for second balls. If he scores ahead of great, that's the English mentality. Yeah. What supporters don't see is Pep Guardi, how do Man City play? They play football. Yeah. They, have they got plan A? They've got plan A, but they've got plan A part one, part two, part They never go to part, plan B. It's just different aspects of their plan A. So that's the way I'd like to think. If I'm playing 4 3 3 with one sitter and on, on the two outside, then if their mid two midfield players can't handle our three and they change to a th to a three midfield to match us up, then I might tell our two outside midfielders to drop a little bit deeper to suck them out of the spaces, and then our wide men go into the spaces what they've left. So there's loads of different plan B plan, but the basics of football, the basics that I like is if the opposition have got the ball, closing down, get his head down the nearest man, the people within the second wave of, of the ripple react off that so if you can get close to help him go and, go and help him if you can't then be in a good defensive position when you get the ball if you can play forward quickly play forward quickly and if not pass the ball and wait for opportunities and be patient get the ball wide try and look for gaps um, so there's loads and loads if, if football was there's my plan A if I don't get my plan A I'm going to go to plan B everyone would be like Barcelona and, and Manchester City and win every single week if we go to a plan A and then move to a different part of plan A, well, what if the opposition change their tactics to stop that? So we're always thinking, the reason why you have managers and you have coaches is because they've done this, what can we do to counteract it? There's so many different, and it's such a low sport, scoring sport, that if you, if you play basketball, and you can miss 10 three-pointers, 10 free throws on the bounce, you can still win the game. Because you know that every time you get the ball, you're going to get within... Six, eight feet of the basket, and you've got a chance of hitting them in. How many times do you get shots on target in football? So, that one chance where you go, that should be a goal, you should be 1 0 up, changes all aspects of the game. Two minutes later, you've not took that chance. You go down the other end, it's a whole swing, the game changing there. There you go. So, because it's, it's such a low scoring game, you, you, you're constantly having to think about what the opposition doing. But more importantly, what you're doing. How can you? get the better of your opposition. What are they doing? Where's their weaknesses? Okay, there's their weaknesses. Why can we get our stronger players in them areas where they're weak? a manager and went in as manager at Oldham and up until today has your football ideology changed at all to adapt to the realities of football management my respect for managers 
So when I was a, a player, I just looked at the manager and thought, well, he picked a team, he signs players. Sometimes he takes training, sometimes the coaches take training, and that's it. So the respect since I've, I've quit playing was uh, has gone up massively for the for the manager. The managers that have managed for, for 20, 30 years, I mean, how they've done it. Because now, especially with the social media, and everybody is an expert in football, or they, they claim to be. Um, I think what helped me is when I was at Leicester and I was about 33, I'd done my cruise ship, so I knew I'd be out for a long period of time. And that made me think, because you are in a football bubble, you're earning good money and you, you think it's never going to end. You know, you're playing at a brilliant training ground in front of 30,000 every week and you think, this is, all of a sudden, I snap my ACL and realise this isn't going to last forever. I'm probably never going to come back the same player. So what do I do? What what money do? I always wanted to stay in football, so I start to begin taking my badges. But then when I come back, I'd lost that. I was never quick as a, I was never lightning quick, so I was never like a Kane Wooler. But I always knew where space was on the pitch. So if if someone was closing me down, my first six seven yards, I was quick because it was always in my head where I was going to run and what what I wanted to do. But I didn't have that. So I used to always think like, how can I get the best out of myself, knowing that my legs have, have gone. What areas can I go in? And I just started to study the game a little bit more, watch people, watch how um, Ryan Giggs, for example, 18 to 28, is the quickest winger in the league. I'll go on the outside of you, he's got brilliant colour. How does he then go at 34 and play till he's 40 in the Premier League to hold in midfield and still be the best player and still win Premier Leagues? And I just looked at the areas that he'd taken on the pitch. When he went into certain areas, what was other his teammates gone? And he just opened your eyes to about. Most people think that it's 11 v 11. Just going out work. And we all want work, mate. Go fans say up and down the country, just give us 100% and we'll be happy. But you wouldn't, because if you give 100% and you're tactically nowhere near, you'll get beat every single week. And you'll end up doing a lot more running than you actually need to do. So um, it opened my eyes up massively to what, what goes into making players better and making players understand the roles when they go out on the pitch. Because I, I played for certain managers where I went on the pitch and I thought, I know what I'm doing here. I know what he wants. If we're going for a bad time, we revert to this. If this happened, and I was comfortable. But I've also played for for managers where I went on the pitch and this is off the cuff. I looked around at several of his teammates and we're all looking at, and you can see in each other's eyes, we're, we're just playing off the cuff here. If someone produced a bit of magic, then great. But we've got no framework to work from, so. Yeah, definitely opened my eyes in the later part of my career. Trying to figure out who those managers are, I reckon Ericsson, maybe. Ericsson was probably the best manager that I've worked for, man manager, brilliant man manager. Hence, he had success in every country and obviously managed the being um, the national team as well. Yeah. Well, you've been Swindon now, what, nine months almost, and... It doesn't feel like nine months. No, in a good way or a bad way? Um, probably because there's so much work to do, it's felt quicker yeah because you, you come in and you, you obviously you come into you never go into a difficult you never go into an easy situation when you're a manager some managers will you got Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank who went in a Burton when Gary Rowett had, had left and you're taking over a team that are winning every week that's mm. a dream scenario yeah. but realistically if you're a manager you're going into a dressing room that is upset he's used to losing and you've got to try and turn things around quick, turn things around quickly so um, the two managers' jobs that I've had, I took over at Oldham, we was rock bottom in the league. You have to try and get, you know, and I wouldn't swap that for the world because it's a brilliant, brilliant learning curve. You see that some of the things that went on were way beyond what you could what you could imagine any manager should have to go through. But in terms of, you know, the grounding, I had a great grounding as a, as a professional footballer from the ages of 16 to 20 years old at United and I think I've had a good grounding in a totally different way old and going and having to deal with certain things which I don't think any manager should do and then I've come in at Swindon and said, this is a big football that should be doing miles better than, than what it's been doing but why hasn't it been doing because things haven't been, been done right the recruitment for one I think I think when we had the relationship with the big Premier League clubs and we were getting long players in that's a dream scenario because you know you're getting quality players in and you're not only getting one you're getting two or three from the same same club and they have that, you know, they've got the mates, they can go for some food and they can they can socialise away from the football ground. That's 
that's a brilliant scenario to be in, but we haven't got that no more. Um, we've not had it for the last three or four years, so I think the recruitment in the next this transfer window is important, but we, we've done so much work that it's going to be difficult to overhaul the whole squad. So I think this transfer window, January transfer window, and then next summer transfer window will be massive for this club. Because what we don't want to do is we, if this club goes up, what do we want then? Mm. We want to go again. Yeah. So the recruitment will be the most important thing. We can make players better, but can you make a, a, a 3 out of 10, a 4 out of 10 player, a 7 out of 10, 8? No, you can't. You might be able to make him a 5 out of 10. So let's try and get these 7, 8 out of 10 players that maybe have had problems with fitness and keep them fit and try and improve on that one, that one extra mark. You're not without contacts, I imagine, in, in football from from higher divisions anyway. Do you see any potential for link-ups in the future? Or is it the fact that we're in League 2? That's the problem. That's the biggest problem. Mm-hmm. As soon as you come back, the, sorry, as soon as the Premier League comes back to you, League One's really the lowest. There's some kind of stigma at the moment with clubs where... And my selling point was, well, hang on, are you going to Sunderland? Are you going to Ipswich? For me, they're really big league one clubs where you actually turn up in the stadium and you think, this is a proper place to play football. There's, there's clubs in league one where you actually turn up and think, a great ground to play at. So I think Swindon, as a playoff, is a good place to come. I think Bradford is a good place to come in, in league two. I think that's a good place to play football. I think Plymouth is a good stadium to play your football in league two. Apart from that, I think Swindon's up there with the best grounds and that's what you've got to try and sell what we've got, the facilities are good, so let's try and use them as a selling point for, for new signings. As a player, you, I don't think you went south of Leicester, Leicester, Shrewsbury, nearer to the end, and you've moved down to Wiltshire, which is a big decision for you, obviously, because you're down here solo with your family up north. How have you found adapting to that lifestyle? Um, it's not easy, because I spend the majority of my times in my apartment on my own. I eat out a lot on my own. Um, you know, when you've been a professional footballer for 20 years, one thing you are used to is being in the group. You're in a group of footy players, you, your comrade is good, you're used to taking a mickey out of people, they're taking a mickey out of you. And as a manager, you can be quite lonely at times. So, obviously, but the, the reason why I've done it is because, purely because of the opportunity. Mm-hmm. When I was a player, I had a chance to sign for Crystal Palace, Southampton. I was just lucky enough that Leicester was, was a lot closer and out of them three clubs, I decided to, to go to Leicester. Obviously, I could commute a lot easier. I remember when you were at Blackpool, you were probably one of the most sought-after players. And I remember so many teams, because we were about, we were in Blackpool, we were in League One, Swindon were in League One, and the Andy King days. I remember you getting sent off against Swindon uh, once in the pouring I, ring. I remember Sammy Igo died. <laughs> I wasn't going to say and it. And he got but... fined two weeks wages. So if Sammy's listening, couldn't have that money back, could he? And if he is listening... Talk to me. When people said that Wellens is going to take over Swindon, I was like, no, the guy doesn't move south. Yeah. Because you, you were one of three players that always relate to that. Definitely you and Luke Beckett, Huddersfield yeah. uh, forward and Power Abbott. These yeah, yeah. players that you just think, well, oh, come, you know, I guess it's Southern elitism. Yeah. Come to the south. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's lovely. There, well, but... I think it's, when you, have, when you have children, your mindset changes. So do you want to, and in, I know you said before that I, I, at the times you don't know that you can have these long contracts. You, you obviously go there for a couple of years, then they give you a new contract, and you another year later they might give you a new contract. You, a lot of football, but listen, the, the, the money now is astronomical. Where these the championship players and the Premier League players, they can move the area, they can keep the house wherever they're from, they can go and buy a new house where the club is, and financially you never have to worry about anything. Some of the League One players, the League Two players. It's a big commitment for for them to lift the family up, move away, because in a year's time they might be going back and you know you stamp you on your house, your bills, all the all the hassle of moving house, the cost of it. You know, it's not really it's not really doable for a lot of players. No, the reason I say it is because I, I mean I semi relate because I mean I'm a dad, and the moment my kid was born. In my job, I used to travel a lot, and then I was like, no, no more. Mm. And that's why I asked that question, because I don't know if I could do that. I don't know yeah. if I could have sticks and move somewhere else. What am I, why, why do I want to be a manager? One of the main things that I want to be a manager is because of for the longevity of it. So one thing I wanted is 
it gives me a lot of time to think when I'm when I am on my own. So my whole my life really, my whole commitment is to this club. I haven't got any side issues. I'm my family. I go I go home at the weekend and see my family, but there's no side issues. All my attention is just about getting this club back on back on track and back in heading in the right direction. Yeah, I think it's a compliment to you when when you were linked to the Doncaster job and the fan base went into a semi meltdown, yeah. which I think is is suggesting that you're doing the you're going down the right road yeah. with Swindon fans, and that was nipped in the bud within the weekend, which again was massively appreciated because sometimes we just have to sort of um and ah and think about it for well, a while. Again, because I, I want to be a manager that lives by my own principles, yeah. and I'm asking players to come here because I'm trying to sell them what we're trying to do. I mean, to me, just up sticks and just leave at the first possible moment. Like, it wouldn't sit. It wouldn't sit pretty with me at all. Um, if one of my players come in after I've had them for a period of time and they've done really well for me and said, I think it's time for a move, okay, no problem. But if a player comes in and has had 10 good games and all of a sudden he's saying, I want to move now because I've had 10, yeah, I wouldn't. So, similar to, to my situation. Um, you know, Doncaster is a club that I've obviously I played for. I think I finished the highest that they've ever finished in a championship um, when I was a player there. They bought, they got me for nothing. They sold me for one and a half million. So they've done all right out of me, um, and I've got, I've still got, you know, a lot of contacts there and a lot of people. So obviously James Coppin just still a captain who I've got a lot of respect for. But yeah, I just thought it was important. Not because sometimes a lot of these managers want to fuel the speculation because you get, you get a little add-ons from it. That's not my style at all. Just nip it in the bud as soon as possible and move on. And how are you finding living in the county? To be honest, that's. I still don't know my way around. Um, every time I leave here, I have to get my Google Maps on because there's a lot of roundabouts. I live towards the village hotel in West Swindon. Um, I'm trying to move towards Old Town. And I've got to keep myself to myself. I go to a couple of Italians in the Old Town um, when I eat out. But in terms of socialising, sometimes I'll go out for some tweet with Tommy Wright. No, obviously, lives in Reading. And I'll. And I'll Keep yourself to myself. You already know more than I do because I know barely anything about Swindon. I'm mm. not from Swindon, so it's it's. I've, this is the first time I've been behind the scenes at Swindon, so you know I'm, I've not gone giddy with uh, with excitement too much. <laughs> but um, no, it's 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 so so different. Wiltshire is so different to. I mean, I've lived up north. I've lived all over, and and Wiltshire is so quiet. And so I know my wife's from the city. So she struggles with Wiltshire. Yeah. She couldn't live here, but she One does thing it I will every say, day. The surrounding areas are, are beautiful. Ooh, some really, yes. really nice places. Now we're talking. Um, obviously, the Cotswolds and, and places like that. I have um, just been uh, in the Cotswolds, and our car broke down near Whitney on the way from Burnham Palace, being on a lay-by for an yeah, hour and a half. Not great. And another problem, I, went, I was going to go to watch um, Aston Villa be Wolves under-23s. There was traffic on the... Is it the A4170 yeah. I come off, end up going down some country lane, all of a sudden a deer pops out, bang. So yeah. you don't get that in Manchester. So. <laughs> How are you finding the Wiltshire accent as well? Yeah, it's fine. I mean, I live in Manchester where within a radius of probably 30 miles, if you go to the west, you've got Liverpool, which is a totally different accent. If you go north to Preston and Lancashire and Burnley, there's all different accents. You go the opposite way, uh, east towards Yorkshire, you've got the Yorkshire accent. And then obviously south, you've got the Stoke accent, and Virgin on the on the Brummie accent. So, yeah, I mean, it's not... I've heard a lot worse, believe me. And I and suppose my accent is quite strong as well. Yeah. I, I think it's more difficult for the the Wiltshire people to understand me than it is for me to understand that. Let's get into more serious stuff now as we begin to close. You arrived at a football club with a significantly disengaged fan base already in place. And although they are always welcomed, those phone-ins on BBC with Sean Hodgetts are no longer really considered enough for many fans. You know, once every other month, go and answer a few questions, and most of them are about blooming catering and things yeah. like that. And it's, it's quite frustrating to do in that respect sometimes. But what we've seen in recent months is a complete shift from the guarded Swindon town that we've been used to for the last few years which is great and it's been a great exercise in common sense 
Have you contributed to that? And if so, how? Well, it's a football club that didn't engage in the community as well as it could have been because the nearest football club to this to Swindon is so we have a, we cover a big area yeah. so we should be attracting more supporters week in week out and the only way that we're going to do that is one put a good product on the pitch which is my obviously my main concern but get out to, to the community and engage in the local people especially the youngsters because they they will be here for years to come you know we're trying we've got a, an open day for the supporters to come on Tuesday Self and some of the players are getting out to local schools and local football clubs, which I think is important. Because at the end of the day, some of these some of these kids will come to the swimming ground and look at some of our players, and they they're their heroes. We might not be Manchester United or Lionel Messi, but if we can have a good impact on them players, if he comes and what's let's say for example, a young kid comes and likes Michael Doughty, the way he takes penalties or the way he technically can play the ball with his left foot, and he goes away. Michael Dowd said, I'm going to practice my left foot. You know, we can improve. Things like that, it's, it's huge. And I don't think the players sometimes realise what a positive, positive impact they can have on, on, on young people's lives. So um, I've tried to have as much influence, influence on it as possible. Um, my time is obviously needed elsewhere at times, but... You know, Ben, our media guy, will, will drive anything and I won't say no to anything as long as I feel like it'll have a positive impact. Um, I just haven't got time to, to, to drive it. I need people around me to, to get everything in place and then when it's the time to turn up and actually do stuff, then I'm happy to do that. And the staff and players happy to get involved in that respect? Well, they've got no choice. <laughs> they've got no choice because it's so important. If, we, if one day we turn around and a player says to me, I'm not going to that school, I'll say, okay, I'll take out your wages because you know them lads and them parents who go to that school to pay your wages. Hmm. So it's just a, for me, like the biggest word he said was common sense. It is common sense. If you interact with people and people like what they see, then they'll give you something back. The school thing is huge, really. And the more you do it, even if you're not there, some of the guys are out there as well. That will go a long way. I mean, I was downtown after I got off the train. I see Crystal Palace shirts. I see Man United shirts. That frustrates me when we go to the school. We, yeah. we, I've seen 100 kids, 10 yeah. swimming shirts. I see Bushy Dortmund, Man United. Sometimes these massive elite clubs like Man United and, and Barcelona and Real Madrid, you get it. Because when you take your kid into a sports store, they go, can I have that kit? Can I have that kit? Fine. But they should also have a swimming kit because we're on the doorstep. They should be coming to watch us play. They should be Know, getting the favourite player on the back of the shirt and, and when, hopefully when I go to the schools in the next week, month, six months and we start to see more swimming shirts. And you've already showed that you're a person of their word and you started doing that with the school incentives. You did that within days of saying it was going to happen. But we as fans have to do our bit as well. You've talked about we need an atmosphere at the county ground. What's your rallying cry to those, especially the dis disengaged town supporters that I mentioned before, to try and convince them to once again turn up and be vocal? Well, it's their club. So I might be here for six months, six years, and they can be disengaged with the club, but what, where does it get us? If they carry on being disengaged with this club, where's the, when do we ever come to a solution? The only solution that this club can come to is, one, get a product on the pitch that is worth watching and we can get success from but any club that wins promotion any club that have success it is it's all pushed by the supporters it's i've been involved i've been promoted as a player and you can feel it you can feel the supporters because if you if you play 46 league games are you going to turn up on the pitch and everything's going to be rolled for 46 league games no if you win the league or you you're in the top three or seven you might have 15 games where you turn up and you go we were good today. Everything worked. Everything came off. Then you're going to have 15 games where we need to dig in to, for that three points or we need to dig in for that for that point. And there's going to be 15, 16 games where you know what, we turned up today and we were poor. We were poor. But when we dug in, when we gave everything, we kept our shape, we were very disciplined, defensive, we were very good. And the support has helped us massively today. I don't think this club has had that in the last few years, especially during my time. I think that the woke sorry the uh, the Yeovil game sticks in my mind because we just beat Morecambe at home four 0 
went away to Bury at 3-1. I'll be honest with you, the squad was nowhere near good enough. Mm-hmm. Nowhere near good enough. But I'm thinking, we've got a chance. We've got a chance here. We've got Yeovil at home. It's, it's a chance of a, of a win. We go one nil up. We should be two up. But in the last half an hour, we give the ball away. Um, we're not great in possession. And you could just sense that little edginess coming to the supporters. To me, the, support, the edginess was with me because I'm, I'm, I know my team's a little bit vulnerable at this time. You know, and if we would have shown a little bit more spirit in the stands and, and noise and just more belief, listen, it may not have got us over the line, but we conceded in the 94th minute. And it was just, that was a moment then where the energy was sucked out of the supporters, the players. You know, it was just, it took us a little bit of time to, to recover from that. Um, yeah, can this team get better? Yes. Should we have a better product on the pitch? Yes. Can I keep improving one hundred percent? But can the supporters get better? I think we can. I think we can show up in more numbers. I can think we can be more vocal. I think we can start. I've said this before. Getting songs about individual players because you know better feelings as, as a player. Yeah. Theo Robinson was was sub for Swindon. He comes here, plays one game at home. to Forest Green scores. The fans shout his name on from him being so low and so you know dejected that all of a sudden he's come in the fans love him and yeah the player has to perform on the pitch as well but the fans love him he feels 10 feet tall and then it was great for us for the rest of the season the, the fans can have a massive impact on any player whether you whether you're the best player in the world or whether you're a lower league journeyman who's just about aggression and giving 100 percent every week the supporters can have a huge impact on him this new season is on the horizon now. How are you feeling going into the season? Like I say, the, the, the next 10 days, I'm hoping that we can get a couple over the line just to give us, because our squad is thin in terms of what I would consider first team players. Um, and it's a tough start because the promoted teams will be, I would imagine, favourites to go back up. But we're also going to a team that are not used to winning every week, so maybe we might be playing on a good time. You know, because if since it's a big, it's a big club in League Two. The budget is very good, so I would expect some thought will be up and around the top end of the table. But I think once they get six, eight, ten games under the belt, I think they might start, you know, motoring and, and be right up there. So maybe early doors, it's it's a, it's a, a good time to play. I would like to be home, be at home, first that uh, first game of the season. I think extra away is a tough game. I think they recruited well. Um, but if you had told me last year, could you go to MK Dons and win, Berry and win, Tranmere and win? We went to all the best teams and won. We dropped points at home to Yolk. That's what's frustrating. At home to, to Port Vale. Yeah. But we just we, we had the mindset that the group the group wasn't wasn't ready to be at the top end of the league because um, technically he wasn't he wasn't good enough and, and mentally he wasn't good enough. Who's impressed you this summer within the squad? Been a few surprise ones. So, for example, of the of the the players that we we already had, Ellis Elandolo's come back looking really fit, really strong. Um, Theon Conroy, a starting at centre back, he's looked really well. And I just dabbled at looking at because I think with his range of passing and his his football brain, he can maybe eventually come into and be a holding midfield player. But I think my think at the moment is he's probably one of the best centre backs in the league. So why? Take one of your best players, you can nail down a position and, and you can be 100% in. Why change him and try and make him something different when you haven't really got that time to do it? Um, Michael Doughty's come back looking very fit. I'm really happy with Michael. Um, Kane Wooler is looking quick. I would like more goals with him. I think, again, people keep telling me that he's a centre forward. I've yet to see it. I think he's better wide making runs in the pitch. I think if you play centre forward, you've got two centre backs. I think if you play wide, you're one v one with a full back. Um, so again, it's a it's a question mark. Depends what I get in where Kane plays, but I think his assets are huge. I'm looking forward to working this year because one day the penny will drop with him. Um, and of the new lads, to be honest, they've all impressed me. Tyler Reed, a, a great athlete. Zeki Fry is obviously is a, is a great athlete. Um, Rob Hunt will bring us a composure, a good footballer. Bowdry's a good footballer. Ballard will grow as the season goes on. Um, we, need, we need to make sure we manage him right and not throw him at, throw him in at the deep end at the wrong time. 
Um, and I expect Jerry Yates to score goals. So, so far the players that we've got in, we're, we're happy with, but I still need four or five. And my absolute final question is, how many weeks' wages will Gouty be deducted when the penalty goes wrong? Oh, he's a designated penalty taker. He hasn't missed yet, touch wood. Um, I always believe that when you're taking a penalty, you, f you can feel it. You, supporters won't know this, but do you know them England players that miss penalties? They know they're going to miss before they took it. It's a, it's a mental thing. You know, I took a few penalties in my career. I missed a couple. And as I'm running up, I knew I was going to miss. I was very indecisive in my decision-making. Um, but the penalties that I scored, I knew I chipped, I, I chipped two down the middle myself. Um, but I was very confident. And you have this, once you have this air of confidence, um, the time when the keeper does stand up, he'll feel it and he'll, and he'll whip it into the corner. So... Um, I think we're very trustworthy with my friends can't be taken until he missed and we've, we've got to trust him but the answer to your question is if he chips it down the middle and the keeper catches it he'll be fine two weeks wages and on that thank you very much that was brilliant thank okay, you no problem The Low Strangers is an independent Swindon Town fan podcast. The music was expertly created by Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by the super talented John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.